0: Today, Deuteronomy 32, our text which we will launch into our subject this morning is found in verses 46 and 47. It is going to be a great day, that day that we just sang about, and we have to keep that in the focus right in front of us every single moment of every single day. We think about the week that we had just this past week with the, the turmoil, the unrest, and the fear. Um, our hope is in the Lord and only in the Lord. We do need to pray for many who are just in fear, uh, families who lost loved ones. Um, our job is more clear now than ever before with proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Happy Father's Day to each dad that is out there. Um, And I am challenged as I look even at the subject this morning of of my own responsibility as a father and soon-to-be grandfather as I'm looking at my notes and I find that I'm having to look further and further away. I want the very cusp of having to preach in glasses Patience with me if I pause and and now that I'm getting old, uh, that's it's all downhill from here on out. Um, l- let me let me <laughs> men are affirming that uh, let me let me read a couple verses um, from Deuteronomy 32 before we pray. Um, Moses is speaking <clears throat> and he says this Deuteronomy chapter 32, 46 and 47. And he said to them, Take to heart all of the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land. There's this phrase, two phrases. Take to heart. All of the words. And it says, command them to your children. I was thinking, well, what exactly is that? Uh, Psalm, uh, excuse me, Deuteronomy uh, 32 is um, a psalm or a song or a praise to God that Moses wrote. And if I could direct your attention to the first part of that chapter, it's really summarized in verse of Deuteronomy 32. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord and ascribe greatness to our God. you realize that's what Moses is saying? Tell that to your children. Ascribe greatness to the Lord. Every day, all day, remember to do that. Gentlemen, as I speak to you and as I am challenged through God's Word this morning, may that be our central prayer. That as fathers, as grandfathers that we ascribe greatness to the Lord, to our children. We speak of the Lord. Uh, Before we get into this, uh, there's a lot here, and so I I want to to very carefully go through, but we have a wonderful way to ascribe greatness to God as we celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us through the communion table later at the end of this service. Let's bow our heads and pray and answer the God's help as we learn. Father, we thank You so much for these few moments that we have together with Your Word before us and Your presence here. Um, Lord, I thank You for this day that we can set aside to honor our, our dads and yet, Lord, also to challenge them and remind them the responsibility that is on our shoulders. We thank You, Lord, that You as our Heavenly Father are the ultimate example for us. Help us, Lord, to live every day, to wake up every single morning with a goal of ascribing greatness to You in our words and in our actions so that the next generation sees and knows and loves You. That is our prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Like um, many of you on Wednesday, um, I received an email... And it said this, I quote, Lucy Elise Troyer was born at 7.41 p.m. Mom and and baby are doing well. Seven pounds and one half ounce, 20 inches long. Then there was this phrase. It said this, Please pray that she grows into a woman who loves God. And loves others well. Much love, Mark. Day one, day one, and there is a prayer that is a reminder for all of us. Pray that dear little Lucy grows into a woman who loves God. You know when that little one was handed to you or you got to hold him, dad or her, dad, for the first time. You knew from that moment that, that your child is totally, totally, totally dependent upon you and, 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 and mama for everything. The, the feeding and the clothing and the bathing. And our responsibility is yes, yes, we will love them. Matter of fact, we will do anything, and you know that. There's no limits to what we will do for our own children. It's a problem, though, that as the little ones grow, we seem to continue to do things for them that they probably should learn to be doing themselves. And so what initially is, yes, we'll do everything, turns into us really coddling and oftentimes pampering. And here's the word spoiling, overindulging them when what we're so afraid of failing. We're so afraid that what what if what if we don't do this right? Or what if the, the, the little one grows up and they don't love us? And we have a, a problem today. There's a great article in the New York Times written by Lawrence Steinberg and, and he says one of the most notable demographic trends of the last two decades has been the delayed entry of young people into adulthood. There's, 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 a, there's a condition today, it's referred to as delayed adolescence, that parents have done so much for their children that what the children aren't picking up on what it means to grow up. A couple... Years ago, I preached on Father's Day in Psalm 127, and I talked about the fact that children are a heritage of the Lord, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. I'm sure it comes flooding back to your mind, and you all remember exactly what I was preaching on four and a half years ago. But what an arrow is, is not meant to stay in the quiver. An arrow is meant to be taken out of the quiver and to be notched in your bow and, and, and to be launched and to fly. That's what an arrow does. But, but if, if our children do not grow up and take responsibility themselves, it's the same as us, in a sense, carrying around really good-looking, bright-colored sticks with us all day long. We're so afraid that we're not going to do this right because our child won't love us. I, I, I want to begin by asking a question. Dad, I want you to, to ponder this. What, what would break your heart more if your kid grows up and, and, and does not love you? Or your kid grows up and does not love the Lord? I want you to ponder that. If my child grows up and they do not love me, or they do not love the Lord, what will break your heart more? What I would like to do today is, is present one single goal. It is a, it is a simple goal, and that, that goal is that we learn how to transition our children from total dependence upon us, which they all were there, to, uh, to total dependence upon the Lord's. You see, when we do that, our children claim their own faith. I think that we have raised kids today that know about God, but they don't know God. We have overwhelming majority of kids who grow up in good, solid, church-going Christian homes. And when they graduate from high school and they head off to college, the overwhelming majority of them will walk away from their faith followers of the Lord Jesus, and they will never return. So, 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 what is our... We have got to take the responsibility of being a parent, a father, and teach our children from day one not to, not to depend upon us, but to depend upon the Lord for everything. How do we do that? Let me first give you something that you should not do. As a matter of fact, I actually put it into a category, and I, I call it a, a bad dad does this. We don't want to be a bad dad this morning. A bad dad is, is one who honors their kids more than they honor God. A, a bad dad is, is a dad who actually loves your child more than you love God. That is the category of what I would call a bad dad. A couple months ago, Wendy and I attended a, the, the PRC, um, the Pregnancy Resource Center um, banquet in State College, and they had the president and CEO of CareNet. His name was Roland Warren, brilliant man, godly man, Princeton grad, and and, and he was speaking on the importance of. Of really multiplying followers of Jesus, and and everyone thought that he was going to talk on the atrocities of of, of abortion, and he didn't. He, he talked about challenging men and 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 fathers to lead and pastors to teach men. He wrote a book called "Bad Dads of the Bible." It's a great read, and at the very top of the list, one of the men that he drew our attention to. Was a good man in the Bible. His name was Eli, a great man. He's a servant of God, he's a priest. And he quickly falls into the category of just being a bad dad. In first Samuel chapter three, God is speaking and he says this, I quote verse twelve, On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish Eli his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them that's in in first samuel chapter 3 the previous chapter in first samuel chapter 2 it says this when they do when, why, why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling and honor your sons above me? God is speaking to Eli He says, Why do you put your sons above me? That Eli, as a good man, was a bad dad because he refused to. He couldn't, he couldn't discipline. He couldn't correct. He couldn't redirect his, his boys, Hophni and Phinehas. We we too easily, out of just a desire to succeed, we really want to do this right, we too easily take our kids and we slide them in a position that is reserved exclusively and only for the Lord's. So how do we do this? Let me give you four things very quickly today. The first one is this. A good dad lives in light of God's glory. Realize when it says that we are to what? What did Deuteronomy 32 say? We ascribe greatness to God. That is that is giving God glory. First and foremost, number one, a good dad lives in light of God's glory. To live in light of God's glory means to to every day consciously make decisions that will direct your your kids' attention to God above you or before you. This isn't a meal that you have provided for your children. This is a meal that God has given you the ability to work and earn and provide for your children. It comes back to the Lord. It's not you. It's not about you. Now, we we know that God is going to be glorified. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7 says, God's great goal for creating everything. It says this, for my glory. The, the, The choice is, are you going to be part of that or not? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Jesus Christ says in Matthew chapter 5, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And what? And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, what what better place is there to give glory to God than to begin in your very home before your sons or your daughters. Now, you and I know that kids know exactly what is going on. Kids will know if your words are only your words. I warned you, don't do it again. Don't do it again. Okay, if that happens one more time. Now, if that happens... Now, I'm going to count and if I get to 27, no. Kids will pick up on the fact if you are good to your words. Now, you may, you may be able to pull it off for a while while your kids are young and, and fool them. But as they grow, as they mature, they're going to see you, you know, you know now why your parents did the things that your parents did, correct? You, you, you figured it out at this point. Why, why, in a sense, are we so concerned about them loving us that it's, 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 in a sense, beating the desire that we have for them to love the Lord? Um, th- this is why words are not enough. We are to show them through authentic actions every single day. Um, Do you understand what this means? I was reading a book this week um, from from Francis and Lisa Chan, and they said this. I actually left you with that quote. Are you willing to take a stand against your kids when God's word is at stake? In a sense, are you willing to tell your child no? Because God's word is very clear. Now, even that idea, when we say it, oh, yes, of course we would say, but in, in practice. I did what probably a lot of you hopefully you got your Father's Day card off, right? By this time. If not, you're gonna fill it out during church. And and I and I and I wrote a card to my dad and put it in the mail. And I thanked him for showing me. he, he didn't he didn't just tell me. He actually showed me. He was concerned about what ascribing greatness to God in his behavior. And he modeled that. That was important for him. Why? Because his his faith was was real. If he blew it, and he blew it on occasion, he confessed it. And he said, Son, I, I need to ask for forgiveness. Right? I saw him go to my sisters and my brother and say, You need to ask me to forgive you. It was important to him. Why? Because it was important to the Lord's. No. Now, how how did my dad, in a sense, constantly ascribe greatness? How did he, in a sense, direct our attention from on him to on the Lord? And I would have to say that there were conversations literally every single day. Everything that we saw. I I remember at nighttime, and, and, and we'd look up at the stars. And he would explain that was, and, and he knew of the constellations, and this is the belt, and this is the Dipper, and this is the all of the different ones, and here's the bear, and and, and he would say God God designed that, and God arranged that. A, a leaf would fall, and it would fall changing colors, and he would explain that this was God's plan. A, a storm cloud would darken, and say that's God's plan of of how He's going to keep everything fresh, everything. Directed attention back to the Lord's. It's, it's part of God's strategy. It's the organization of the Lord and the design that it all speaks, it all shouts of God. And, and when our kids were young, automatically, what? We wanted to speak of God's power, of God's glory. We wanted to talk about God's sovereignty, His authority, and His holiness. Do you do that? Take a text of Scripture. And it comes alive with the glory of God's. Go home today. 1 Timothy in chapter 6 and 15 and 16 and It speaks about God's sovereignty. And sit down with the word sovereign and show your children that. Say, look at that word sovereign. Look at how inside the word sovereign is the word reign. Do you know who that's talking about? That God reigns over everything. It says in that first Timothy chapter six that, that the Lord, God is is Lord of Lords and King of Kings and show them that there's a capital L on Lord. He's He's Lord over all others who proclaim to be Lord. He's what? King. There's a capital K. Show your children the uppercase K versus the lowercase K. And that God is king over all of the kings, all of the rulers, all the presidents, all the prime ministers. God puts them on the throne, and He takes them off the throne. And explain that to them. Go to God's Word regularly and daily and show them and ascribe greatness to God. That's what we're doing when we take the focus off of us and we place it on the Lord's. I'll tell you what, when you bump into and you will bump into problems, there will be times that you don't have answers for your children. What a perfect opportunity to say, you know what? We can go to the Lord of all lords and we can pray. And do that and pray seriously. And pray honestly. If need be, pray in tears to say, God, we don't have a clue what's going on, but we are so grateful that you have us held tightly in your hands. And and, and kids learn and they see it's not you. It has nothing to do. You ascribe greatness every day. Good, a good dad lives in light of God's glory. Secondly, a good dad exists for the spread of the gospel. A good dad exists for the spread of the gospel. There are huge implications upon literally seeing what I refer to as the grand narrative of the gospel in every single part of our life, in every single day, that our young ones are in our care. We teach to them that there was and is a holy God who created mankind in His image for His glory. But man sinned as a result of that sin, deserves the wrath of God. But what? There is only one who came. There is a second Adam who reconciled and, and can restore the relationship between a holy God and sinful man. And that is through the work, the complete work of Jesus Christ on the cross and through His shed blood that we'll be reminded of later today. Do you realize that, that we view everything through the lens and through the glass of the Gospel? We must do that. Kids, understand any righteousness, any, any right thing that we do, what comes from God and from God alone. That, that our children understand and see that, that our only ability to live holy in an unholy world is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That apart from what? The Holy Spirit in our lives. When we teach our children, it's nothing more than behavior modification. Think about it. What, what, what good does it do if we have really polite kids? What good does it do if we have kids that, that do good in school and get a good job and, and make lots of money and they die and they are separated from God for all of eternity. What what good is that? How is God glorified in that? We have a responsibility to live every day as the Gospel is taught through your words. As the Gospel is seen in your actions. It's spoken about every opportunity. Our children, it, it seeps into their minds and their heart and their lives and it grows and God uses the word of God and what the Holy Spirit draws us unto Himself. So that our kids actually get to a place today that, they, that they, they love Jesus. They know what Jesus has done for them in light of eternity more than they love us. So much so that our children should get to the same place that we get, and we get to the same place that John the Baptist got. When he says what? In John chapter 3, verse 30, that what? He, he must get bigger. He must increase. And I must decrease. It's the message that resonates to the theme of the gospel. How to transition our children from total dependence upon us to total dependence upon the Lord is teaching them what Jesus Christ has done thirdly, a good dad keeps in view God's mission. A good dad keeps in view God's mission. And I know that I am staring into the lives of men and and women who work hard every day. I, I have sought to work hard every day as well. As as a pastor, God has called me over the years to talk to and to meet with a lot of people. And I have had and, and, and have presently a lot of meetings. My days are filled with talking to people, with visiting at homes or hospitals or speaking at camps or jails or schools or, or funerals. I have spent many a Saturdays at weddings and I've done that for year after year after year. And in the times that I've been meeting with other people or I've been other places, I have not been with my son or been with my daughter. Now, honestly, I do not feel, and if you were to ask either Seth or Sarah today, that they have been neglected by their father. Now, do I get a trophy? No, 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 no. The reason is, is because regularly I explain to them what God has called me to do and what the mission is for for our life. And they heard it over and over and over again. And that I would take other times and I would spend with them to make sure that they understood the priority that they have in my life. But I also had a very important message to tell them, constantly tell them the importance of God's mission that every single one of us, not just me, are on. It was important to tell them that my obedience to the Lord is more important than anything else. Jesus Christ says, "What? when you follow me, you deny yourself you take up your cross and you follow me. I I believe that a good dad will show his children that the mission that he is on is bigger than any one of us. A good parent will show your child that God is more important than they are. Now, I know automatically, wait a minute, you're walking a really thin line right here. Yes, there will be some time that is sacrificed. Yes, there will be some resources that are sacrificed. But please understand, I am not, I am not condoning, okay, we sacrifice our entire family for the sake of the gospel. We sacrifice, we disregard the needs of our children emotionally, spiritually, physically for the work of the... I'm not saying that. Um, last week as we were laying hands on Aaron, I reminded what? The responsibility, First Timothy chapter 3, of the family. How, how can a man, if he can't manage his own household, how is he supposed to manage the household of God? Th- there is an importance here. I'm not saying we sacrifice our family, we disregard. What I am saying is that we verbalize constantly and we show them that, guess what? If there's a time or a need or a call that I need to be on, I'm going to miss this. I'll make this up. I'll be back. I learned this lesson early in ministry when I had a long day, long day. I got home. I was exhausted. And I remember telling Wendy very specifically, if the phone calls, I do not, I do not want to talk to anyone. And I laid on the couch. I remember I turned on the TV and I was watching and it was a, re, a rerun of, of a Billy Graham crusade. I sat down and I remember, I thought, this, this is how I want to spend the rest of it, just exhausted. No sooner had I laid on the couch, the phone rang. Wendy answers it and from her tone of her voice, Without any hesitation, she said, "Take the call." And 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 you knew, you knew at that moment, the whole evening was going to change. And I took the call. And I'm glad I did. A, a neighbor, a dear friend, a sister in the Lord, was just weeping. Her own son, in that very moment, had just taken his own life. There is not the end. And I'm just going to disregard. I'm tired. No, you, you need to be there. You see, there's, there's, there's the balance. We do not sacrifice family ever. But there is the balance of communicating to our children that there's a mission. And if you have been called to serve the Lord, then then you don't miss the commitment of a Sunday school class over and over again because you got a kid's ball game. You're telling your child that that ball game is more important than the commitment that you've made in serving the Lord. And it's got to be models. A good dad keeps in view God's mission. Fourthly and finally, a good dad speaks often of God's promises. A good dad speaks often of God's promises. Speak about, talk about what is coming, what is in store. Let me tell you this. Speak on the promise of heaven. Do not do not let a day go by where you don't speak about the subject of heaven. it, it is it is that important. Last summer, wedding night and the kids planned a, a trip to to Yellowstone to go camping. Disaster, but anyway, we planned this trip. And and, and we googled all of the areas and sites and and, and we read reviews and what restaurants we need to go to and we charted our route and we talked about it and we, we planned for it and we packed our bags and then we, had to, and then we repacked them and, and it was this huge. And it was a week. week and a half. It was all over. Do you realize that right now we're heading... If you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you understand that, that that His shed blood has rescued you, and you are a follower. That you are heading to heaven, and it's not going to be over in a week. It's going to last forever and forever and ever and ever. My my parents constantly talked about going to heaven. Matter of fact, we were with them just a month ago. Guess what? We were having a subject about. What heaven's going to be like? They're still talking about heaven. They can't wait to get there. That's why we—it's a subject that just regularly comes up. We're always talking about why, because this is the promise that God has in store. Teach your children that everything in this world is uncertain. We have no idea. James says that our our lives are a mist. It's here one moment, gone on the next. Teach them that when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, our future is certain. We know exactly what is waiting for us. Teach your children the importance of investing into heaven when the offering plate goes by that you're giving to the Lord and that's an investment that is kept for all of eternity. This is an absolute joy, it says, to give sacrificially because God's Word speaks of this. There is no need to live in fear when you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus comforts His disciples in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. I've told you I'm going and I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will come again, and I will take it to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And the disciples needed that word at that moment, just like you and I, in a world that literally seems to be going to hell every single day. In destruction, I'm going. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm going to come get you. And you're going to be with Me forever and ever. How can you not talk about it? good dad lives, lives in light of God's glory, ascribes greatness to God every moment. A good dad exists for the spread of the gospel. We see it through the window, through the lens, and through the glass. We look at life through what Christ has done for us. A good dad keeps in view God's mission, that we must model for our children that we love Him more than we love our kids, as hard as that is. We don't sacrifice our families We show them how important God is. Finally, a good dad speaks often of God's promises. We can't help but talk of heaven. Now, all of this, all of this would be for naught if it wasn't for this subject right here. All of the purpose and reason for being a good dad, a great dad, would be for nothing if Christ did not die to rescue us from ourselves. And that's why I'm so thankful that on Father's Day, we celebrate the love that our Heavenly Father showed us by offering His own Son. I told you many times that if it was a choice between you or, or, or my son or my daughter rescuing one, I'd said, sorry, you're dead. Instinct is I will protect my child. Our Heavenly Father says No. He offers His own Son. Why? Because He loves you. There was a visual and object lesson that was given. The power of imagery and and sight and sound and smell. And Jesus did not want His disciples to forget what was going to be revealed to them in the moments to come. And before He was arrested and betrayed and crucified, before He rose from the dead, He sat with His disciples. He took bread and He broke it. And He said, this is a picture of my body. My body is going to be broken for you. I love you that much. And His body was destroyed. Shredded. But He did it because He saw you. He saw you today. He saw where you've messed up and failed. And regardless of how many times we have dropped the ball, God says, I'm, I'm willing to pay the price for your mistakes and your sins. And we're forgiven. We're forgiven. Christ, it says, took the cup. He poured it out. And as He poured it, said, this is a picture of my blood that is poured out for you. It washes and cleanses and refreshes and renews and brings life. And we deserve death. They passed it and they, they drank from that cup. And, and with that sweetness, it was a reminder of the sweetness of the salvation that is offered through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a command, an ordinance from Scripture that says, remember this, do this, do this, do this, and don't forget what I've done. So we have the privilege this morning of celebrating. If you are a believer, you are welcome to this. If you are here this morning, you have not made that decision. That you don't know Christ personally. That you have not acknowledged the fact that you are a sinner. And that because of your sin, you you ought to be separated forever. But by accepting not just the, the physical cup and the bread, but by, by accepting in faith God's grace and the gift that He has given for salvation for your life and for my life, then, then you can follow Him today. You can accept Him as Savior. He can become Lord who reigns and rules over every part. In your heart, in the quietness, you can have salvation from sin offered. I encourage you to make that decision. I'm going to have the elders come and they're going to serve this to you. Just so that you know, we're going to serve you the, the, the bread first. We're going to ask God's blessing on both the bread and the cup. And then they'll serve you the cup. And we do this in remembrance of what the Lord has done. together. Father, as we come about into your presence, we acknowledge um, our own sinfulness, our need. We understand and acknowledge the fact that we are deserving of um, your wrath. We understand and acknowledge that the wages of sin is death. Father, we also acknowledge the fact that as we hold this bread in our hand, as we are about to drink the cup, we do this, Lord, as ones who have put our faith and our trust in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We thank You, Lord, that it is through this that we can walk in the newness of life, that we are called Your own children, and we call You our Heavenly Father. Father, we just ask right now that we would be reminded afresh and anew what you have done for us. And that, Lord, um, that would motivate us in our obedience. It would motivate us, Lord, with a, a reminder and a reason to ascribe greatness and give glory to the name of Jesus. We love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this bread. We thank you for this cup. your name we ask. Amen. It says that I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you. It says in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, "This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me." Amen. Thank you, Lord. with us, please, as we close.